Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show on this Wednesday morning, the 4th of October. Uh, the showers are picking up today, so um, some respite from that heavy, hot weather yesterday, but still quite warm around Sydney today. 29 degrees, showers increasing up to 9 millimetres of rainfall and still a top of 30 in our west. Coming up today, Mark Bosnich, Mark Beretta, Mick Gannon will talk racing with us, so two Marks and a Mick, and Jess Jonathan as well. So Champions League uh, underway again this morning uh, in football. So Bozza will join us for that. We're counting down to Bathurst and Channel 7's coverage, of course, headed up by Barretts. As I mentioned, Mick to talk racing. We've got our final slots being filled in the Everest and Jess Jonathan ahead of tomorrow night's third one-day T20 international, I should say, against the West Indies after Hayley Matthews, the Windies captain, put on a show the other night at North Sydney Oval. The series is levelled at one apiece. There's a fair bit of news around today. We've had the final warm-up game for the men's ODI World Cup and Australia have had a good victory over Pakistan as they look to hit top gear. You know who got some bowling? Um, David Warner, Steve Smith and Martis Labuschagne took three wickets. So they were throwing everything at that match. There's a press conference this morning at 11 o'clock that will be of major interest for our AFL and, in fact, Sydney Swans supporters. Co-captain Callum Mills will face the media today. It's going to be a tough one, I reckon, because you might know the story of Callum um, was wrestling on Mad Monday and suffered a shoulder injury and has had to have surgery that will rule him out for next season. So he will face the media at 11 today. And we know our Hall of Fame inductees. They'll be inducted on October the 16th, but released this morning for Sport Australia. We're talking about some of the greats, obviously, of Australian sport. JT, Kurt Fernley, Lydia Lassler, one of the toughest athletes I've ever seen. Nova Paris, Tim Cahill, Kim Brennan and Tim McLaren as well, all inductees. But first up, you know what? The NRL season may be over, but one world never stops spinning, and that's Webby's world. He's the Chief Sports Writer at the Sydney Morning Herald. It's Wednesdays with Andrew Webster. So jump on board, folks, and join the ride. Does it feel like that sometimes, Webby? Your your world just spins on its yes. own axis? Yes. Where do I get off? <laughs> When's the next station? I want to get off at it. Ah, uh, you don't. Enough. See, normally you get off after the NRL Grand Final. You just jump off the bus and... Walk away, but oh no, rugby league is the gift that keeps on giving. So there's still a bit around. And your article today, can we start there? Your article in the Sydney Morning Herald, um, Stop the Abuse, Sunglasses, Choice, Walsh's Only Error. I read it online last night. I went and bought the paper again this morning. And I've had a reread of it, so I've read it twice. Oh, Give you've my read it on two platforms, wow. On two platforms, oh correct. Yeah, I've, see someone's I've... keeping the fires burning at the hill. <laughs> Invested twice. Why don't you, you and know I'm... what you should do next? Read it on the iPad. Oh, uh, mate, and it's I'm... a little bit hard. I've got, I've got your book next to the bed. I've got this. I've got online. I mean, I'm, I'm, I can't get off the Webby's worlds that, that keeps on spinning. So talk to my listeners about what this article is in a nutshell. Oh, it's just about, well, it's about many things. It's about rugby league, it's about life, it's about fans. It's about Reese Walsh's sunglasses. And mostly, it's in defence of the young fellow who was the victim, I reckon. He was the victim of a gotcha moment from a young Penrith fan uh, last Thursday at the fan day when he, you know, when he said the infamous, you know, you know, he said, oh, Leota's going to smash him, take your head off. And he said, so's your mum. And... Everyone's got their knickers in, and I just think the NRL should 
Should should well, they're talking about a, a warning and some the old mandatory educational program? I don't know what that looks like. They put up on a big mm. PowerPoint presentation, going, "Don't just bite your tongue, don't engage with gibbers." That's yep. that's the educational program that takes two days, by the way. That course, I'm told, um, you you can do it as a TAFE course if you want. <laughs> I'm trying to. Do, I'm doing an apprenticeship in it as we speak. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was a complete defence of him, and I just think there is a really sad growing trend of fans. It's not just in rugby league, but uh, across other sports, but anyone with a high profile where where people are trying to get bait players or coaches. We saw it with Eddie Jones and the trader stuff at the SCG last year. And so people can film it and then put it on social media and then be heroes about it. And I just think administrators, one, should be aware aware of that and and, and cut someone like Reese Walsh some slack for his response, which I think was nothing more than, yeah, so's your mum sort of joke. People have interpreted it as a, you know, as a as an attack on women. Don't make it into something that it's not. Uh, but also I think it's just, I think fans need to realise that they're very lucky in this country, particularly in rugby league, where they can get so close and personal with rugby league players and their heroes, whether it's getting signatures or photos or whatever. You don't want it to go down the path of American sport or European sport where you can't get anywhere near these athletes. And I know that's the beauty of Australian sport. It's a beauty of where we live in this corner of the world. So let's not stuff it up by trying to do something funny on TikTok. You tell the story to uh, about standing next to Paul Gallon ahead of an appearance on the footy show yes. and some personal banter. And you also tell the story of what Cameron Smith has told in his book and his autobiography, The Storm Within, mm. uh, out well now at all leading bookstores. Uh, and Smith wrote that when he was, where was he? He got off the bus at the back of Belmore Sports Ground and a Bulldogs fan who looked about eight years old approached him and spat, hey, Smith, you're a grub. And Smithy says, my jaw nearly hit the ground. The kid's dad was chuckling. It seemed like a snapshot of where society is at the moment. And then he says, if I took my young bloke to an AFL game and he said, hey, Dusty Martin, you're a grub, I'd pull him into line straight away. Mm, and he says, I know what days. my old man would have done to me back in the day if I called any player a grub. It's a really interesting read. Um, like you say, you know, you're, you're taking the defensive side of what Reese Walsh has been copying at the moment and also trying to put all this into perspective of where we at the where we're at with all this the pit vipers the $79 sunnies I like them see you like there's a headline on their story saying like sanction him over his dubious oversized sunglasses unfortunately twitter such a great you know intellectual melting pot that it is thought that I was actually saying <laughs> sanction him over his sunglasses <laughs> no no. no, I wasn't saying that. Look, the incident with Gao, look, that's what really triggered me to think about this this column uh, in relation to Reese Walsh. So we're there at the footy show and they did the OB, the outside broadcast, at on the forecourt outside Acor Stadium like they do every year. And there's a crowd that's down on the plat, like below the stage or like at the back of the, the panel. Mm-hmm. And before we did, before our segment, for the, the journo segment, Paul Gallon was on it, we went and waited out the front. We're going to do like a play on where we're behind and all the fans are cheering. And this, this like there was a bunch of Cronulla supporters in Cronulla, uh, Cronulla polo shirts. There would have been sort of, I'd say, 16, 17-ish. And uh, they were sitting there chirping away at Gal and he was sort of rolling with it. And then one, then one said, gee, you're a really good looking fella, aren't you, Gal? And Gal just sort of turned around and shook his head. And then this kid said, can I get a selfie? He said, no, you've been a smartass. And then he kept sort of chirping away. And then, and then uh, this kid's mum turned up and said, Paul Gallon just told me to F off. And I was like, really, mate? 
Really? But that's just how this un- unnecessary drama starts all the time. And I know that people say they're athletes and they're former athletes and it goes with the territory of, you know, being a public figure. Well, yeah, to a point. That doesn't mean you can sit there and say whatever you want with impunity, you know? You've got a big mouth. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe use it more judiciously. It's a good read. Check it out today in the Sydney Morning Herald. The grand final fallout. So celebrations, commiserations, party time. Not too much really to to unpack in the last couple of days except for the fact that we're still reminiscing about one of the great grand finals, one of the greatest individual performances, albeit 20 minutes. And also, Webby, a really rock solid and quite possibly template for 2024 for the NRL refereeing performance mm. as well. How, let, let's start there. The effort from Adam G and the difference from what we saw in the GF versus what we saw throughout the season. I don't know whether it was an edict, whether Andrew, uh, Andrew G. Isn't that guy off Australian, Australian Idol? <laughs> Did it, it was Andrew G out there. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, at the way that Adam G just put the whistle away, there was two things that I th- that thought really stood out. There was um, there was a couple of one incident with a Penrith player, another one um, uh, late in the game too, where he just they they were like trying to the, the player was trying to milk a penalty for yes. high contact, and he just went no, nope, play the ball. That should be the, if the NRL could not see that and see the importance of that and how the bunker should not be getting involved, particularly for players who are feigning injury to get a penalty, particularly in a big game like that, at the back of the game, that to me was that that's how the game should be. That's just that's just taking the power out of um the hands of the bunker and letting the if there's an indiscretion, then let it be sorted out later in late uh, the after the game. But but don't ch- change the course of particularly of a of the of the season defining game with uh, an important penalty late in the piece. Does the NRL find itself in a bit of a quandary over that? I'm not trying to make a big deal out of this at all, but for what we saw on Sunday night was very different to what we saw week in and week out. And throughout the season, the NRL is going to have to make statements along the way and crackdowns as much as they hate the word along the way. And then we go, you know what? State of origin, put the bloody whistle away. Grand final, put the whistle away. And then on the other hand, people go, well, hang on a second. Where's the consistency gone? So does the NRL say, okay, we're prepared to go through with those decisions that are being made and those stoppages throughout the regular season, but we're also prepared for referees to ref it differently in the big games. I just think the NRL needs to completely reset what how they officiate the game. Just the, just the use and the interference of the bunker. When when can it make a call? Um, I just think that whole. I just think it's it's madness that a game as tough as as rugby league is um, you have you have you know big tough gladiators sitting there feigning injury you know feeling the back of their neck or their head you know or, or pretending to be uh, I, I know the HIA is a, is supposed to try and eliminate some of that but it doesn't do it doesn't doesn't eliminate it all the time there's still plenty of staging going on like I just think the NRL that's one thing they need to get out of the game and that's what Adam G did and that's something that the NRL should look at doing throughout the year your reflection on Nathan Cleary's performance. We've spoken about greatness. The term immortality has been floated around. In my opinion, all that's for later on. And later on's a, a long way down the track. He's only 25 years of age. But there's no doubt about it, mate. He put himself in the grand final, if not game, history and folk- folklore. 
on Sunday night. Absolutely. Like it's it's the thing that that's done me, and I wrote this in the Herald yesterday, was just how stunned the greats of the game, like Johns, Thurston, Smith, Slater, Fitler, like they were like literally. I watched Nine's telecast really closely there at the end, and they none of them could find the right words to describe what yeah. they what they just witnessed from Nathan Cleary in the last seventeen minutes of the game. Now, people are going on about whether he deserved the Clive Churchill medal because he only, you know, did it for 17 minutes. Who cares? He won them the grand final. He won them the premiership. He won them their third title in a row. If it's not him who's, like, picking himself up after making errors early in the second half, which he conceded, like, you could you could make an argument that those three – well, not an argument. It's true. Like, like at least two of those tries are off defensive la- lapses from him and the – the first one was off the back of him uh, kicking the ball dead, which is very un- Nathan Cleary-like. But for him to like know that the game's gone, basically, and then single-handedly turn the whole thing around, it was... I wrote it yesterday. I don't want to keep bringing everything back to NFL, but I was in the stadium in Houston when Tom Brady turned around that 28-3 to deficit against the Atlanta Falcons, and um, it-, it felt like that. That's what it felt like to me as someone who was lucky enough to be at that Super Bowl. Just the way you could just feel it in the stadium that night that this game was going to turn because of one man's will. And that's exactly what happened with Nathan Cleary on Sunday night. I I, I, I don't know. I know people sort of I, – I, I'm not – yeah. I think the, the term goat is overused these days. I think there's a, too much of a rush to start to give immortal status to players who are still playing. But also – you also have to remember he's 25 years old. He's 25 years old. He's won three three premierships in a row. He's won two, uh, three State of Origin series um, uh, and a World Cup for Australia. Like, what is there to do? There's a Dally M and maybe – and to, everyone keeps going, he's got a quote-unquote dominate origin. Well, it's not, not everyone dominates origin. I don't think um, – I don't think that's, that's necessarily going to be the benchmark of whether he's uh, – he finishes uh, as the, one of the great players we've ever seen. It's ironic after Sunday night that a game that is is um, you know swirls around so much and on on comment and opinion and everyone's got a word for something that's going on that the game was speechless in trying to describe his performance in particular. It was George Costanza. They, they... they were speechless. <laughs> they were without speech. Without speech, they all, couldn't find the words. Back but. To it was a grand final winning performance. That's what it was, which will lead us to the Kangaroos selections. We got that yesterday from Mal Meninga, so we'll talk about that in just a second. Rugby Australia well and truly in the news. And Angus Crichton's manager, David Rawlings, hasn't missed. Also, what do the New South Wales Blues do for the next state of origin coach? Uh, it's an interesting one where that's at because I don't really know where it's at at the moment. I don't think too many people can get a handle on that one either. So a lot of... A lot of great unknowns that we're facing this morning on this Wednesday morning. It's Wednesdays with Webby right here on SEN. You can be part of the show. 1-300-1170 is the open line number. Uh, Give us a call on that or 0457 736 736. 19 minutes after nine. Welcome back. 24 after 10. Webby, what did you make of the Kangaroos selections yesterday and those that missed out? Conservative, I've got to say. Conservative. Um... I understand why James Tedesco was was um, picked and retained as fullback and captain, and that made it hard for the Dally M medal winner, Kalen Ponga, and Reese Walsh, Reese Lightning, the man who wears pit vipers sunglasses. I don't know. It made it hard for him to get a, a start. Um, it's a it's a tricky one because it's a two 
possibly three-match uh, campaign, and you've only got a 21-man squad to, to choose from. Um, so I think it made it very difficult to have those blokes in the... Cl- I, 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 knew, I had an inkling, I wrote it actually last week, that Walsh was at, uh, was at very long odds to get picked, um, just probably because of his lack of versatility. But I thought I was surprised with Val Holmes. I just would have thought, given the fact that he's not going to be available for one, that they... That was an opportunity for Mal to go in a different direction, but it's still a very strong squad, and it's a it's a fascinating sort of little end to the year with uh, some international rugby league. Mal spoke about the need for cohesion quickly, which raises the interesting point that that you just said about Valentine Holmes. If he's not going to be there for one of them, that sort of throws a little bit of that cohesion out of whack. Um, but Josh Adokar also named as well. Dylan Edwards is is the one that got the most oh, traction. The yeah. yeah, it got the most traction when we um, brought the announcement yesterday because we had it here just as Mal was saying it essentially and a lot of my listeners just fired straight back in. What, what does Dylan Edwards have to do to find a spot in that team? <laughs> I know what it is. They need James Tedesco to be dropped. I, don't, I think people underestimate the significance of dropping the the incumbent captain. You know, I don't think Teddy had the worst year in the world, but if if you picked it just purely on form, it's going to be a pretty funky team. You know, it's it's I, I get it though. Like, it's what more can Dylan Edwards do? Not not much, not much. But the, you know, history's littered with cases of great players not getting into rep teams because the of the uh, incumbent player ahead of them. So. His time will probably come, I'd say. It's, there's big. Que- I, I tell you what, the big question will be how Tedesco performs early next season and whether the New South Wales coach, whoever that may be, decides to, to keep him or go in another direction. It might be time for a regeneration of coach and also a regeneration of captain and fullback. But it's, you know, I don't think Tedesco's... Um, I don't think Tedesco's uh, done yet. We'll get to the New South Wales coaching position after the 9.30 news, the Latrell Mitchell situation. So Mal said yesterday as he was announcing the team and was pressed on Latrell saying, look, um, South Sydney told us that he wouldn't be available and was then pressed, well, why is he playing in the Koori knockout? And Mal said, well, you know, he can play that and he's a very proud Indigenous man, obviously. So a lot of people are... Are confused outraged. by they're that. They're outraged. Well, I don't know. I don't didn't see too much outrage oh, on this I've program. They're but talking about it. They're outraged on the streets. Definitely confusion. Definitely confusion. <laughs> Does it it's come down bad. to the communication? No, not at all. No, I just I, I think they were well aware of it. Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Well, you're damned if you do or damned if you don't with this story. It's if. I, I think the optics of it are bad, but the, the the reality of it was he was playing 10 minutes in a 20-minute half of football in which, you know, he barely touched the ball. And um, there were South officials there. I agree it doesn't look good, particularly when he's pulled out of um, pulled out of the Australian squad. It's not it's not the greatest of looks, but uh, I, I can live with it. <laughs> I'm not as yeah, outraged as others. I'm not as outraged as others, Matty. I'm with you. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. Angus Crichton's manager has taken a swipe at Rugby Australia officials. So this is over the back and forth of a possible deal and one point six million dollars on the table involving the Western Force. And it, it appears to me as though this has come down to who was doing the leaking here and and there's a bit of bad blood. Well a lot of bad blood it seems between those that are being accused of leaking this story are to the media and then the way that the deal has been put together in the first place. It seems the bottom line is that 
this deal is off the table completely for the moment. There still might be a spot there, but they want to take Rugby Australia out of the picture, it seems like. What's going on? <laughs> I think uh, Rugby Australia got caught out trying to take, bizarrely, take some of the focus over the absolute uh, mess that's happening in France and the World Cup and certainly around Eddie Jones and his uh, his negotiations with Japanese rugby by um, putting out a story in a matter of days about Angus Crichton being offered a $1.6 million deal to, to come to come to rugby. Um, I think Dave Rawlings, his uh, manager, caught them out by the fact that Hamish McLennan's public comments only a few months ago was, we've got plenty of money. We can get all these rugby league players. There was front page stories about it. There was hit lists. Remember? It was all going to happen. And now uh, all of a sudden they didn't have the money. And they were withdrawing the the uh, the office, so I think it's just I think it's more of a reflection on Rugby Australia and just how shambolic they are being run at the moment. Um, but yeah, I don't. I think the big one is is whether what what's going to happen with Joseph Swali'i and whether his deal is still going to go through. I know that there's certainly plenty of people who think that he might be able to he might pull out of it, and whether Rugby Australia are going to have the money. Um, uh, whether Joseph will want to do that and can get the money to stay at the Roosters. I know there's a fair bit of uh, animosity between his manager Isaac Moses and club management at the Roosters about how that whole uh, how that whole how that negotiation process uh, rolled out. Whether whether they whether they want to uh, entertain a backflip or not, I'm not sure. But it's um yeah it's 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 been quite the month for rugby Australia, hasn't it? Yeah, there's probably more to discuss. We'll do that after the news. We'll go to the newsroom now. We've got that plus the New South Wales Blues coaching situation to talk about on the other side of this. Back with Webby on this Wednesday morning. Uh, also joining us this morning, Mark Bosnich, Mark Beretta ahead of the Bathurst 1000. Mick Gannon is the Everest uh, slot start to get filled. I think there's just one left. And Jess Jonathan will join us as well. So there's a lot of news floating around on this uh, Wednesday morning. Just back to the Joseph Swali'i issue that we were discussing just before the news. If there was a, a, a room or move to backflip on his deal with Rugby Australia... What grounds do you reckon would they be looking at? What what are people saying about what the grounds would be? Is it that the Wallabies are in a bad position, that they didn't make the quarterfinals of the World Cup or, or what? Or is it Who, financial? Is it, what do you mean? I, I'm just trying to get my head around if Joseph Swali is going to backflip on a deal, and we don't know that he is. We, we have no... Well, they, they agitate for these things. At all. It's not like It's not whether you're grounds or not. If it's like whether... They can negotiate if if Rugby Australia still think it's there's value in having him there. Um, uh, like they've been spruiking. Amish McLennan has been talking about private equity for the last two years, almost his whole, entire term as chairman, and also that that private equity at the end of this year was going to be the big saviour. I know plenty of people of rugby thought that was the case. Now McLennan's on the record saying that that's now off the table. So um, I'd probably say that they would go down that path. Okay, yeah, all right. I'm just trying to get my head around why the deal would be um, all of a sudden turned over, and I, I can't. I, I know the private equity is off the table. They're going to invest heavily in, in basically more debt, so the money will be there. Um, it'll be inflated money, but the money will be there anyway, so I'm just trying to get my head around, okay, well, why would they all of a sudden want to backflip, or why would I'm Joseph Swali want to I'm not saying Swali, he might want to backflip. 
Because the money's not going to be there? No, because of the absolute shit show that is Australian rugby in the last uh, six months, I'd say. <laughs> but when he signed the deal, did he think it was going to magically get better? Well, I didn't think he... Maybe he didn't think it was going to get this heavy. And he also signed with Eddie Jones fully complicit in being there for the next five years. So the goalposts have changed. Hmm. All right. I remain jury out on that one. Now, jury... What is the jury saying about the New South Wales State of Origin coach? I was listening the other day and I heard Laurie Daly when he was pressed about it um, off the back of what happened with Brad Fittler and, and Loz said, no, nah, it's not my time. It's, it's time, to hand it out, time to hand it over to somebody else. He's been there and done that before, but there's a bit of a groundswell of opinion that there might be room for Loz again. There certainly is. I, I, look, knowing Laurie, um, I, I, for his sake, I, I wouldn't want him to do it. I just think it's going to be... Um, you know, I think he's had his time, and I say that really respectfully to Loz, who I who I love as a coach and a, as a human. Um, I really think the answer, I really do think the answer is Ricky Stewart and Craig Bellamy. I mean, if they can somehow convince those two to do it together, they keep saying that um, it's not a job for a club coach anymore, but the New South Wales Rugby League have broadened those horizons because <laughs> I don't think people are falling over to do the job. Let's just say probably not the greatest of candidates are falling over to do the job. I just think if it might be too hard for one of them to do it, but if you get those two together, two current modern-day coaches, you've got Ricky, who's so passionate about the Sky Blue Jumper, Craig Bellamy, who's been arguably the best coach of the last 20 years. Um, you know, I, I, think that's, I think that's a really positive move for New South Wales, who need to get this right because they've lost two in a row and – all the faith that had been restored in those first few years of uh, Brad Fittler's uh, time as New South Wales coach, I feel has been eroded in the last couple of years, particularly this series, uh, the disconnect between New South Wales fans and that team. And I just think Ricky and Bellamy, those two heads together, they're pretty formidable. Make so if the New South... Let's make it happen, Matty. Let, let's, let's start the campaign. If the New South Wales Rugby League changed their tune on that, on club coaches, that, that's from one side... They have, changed this their, is, they have changed their edict on that. Right. Yeah. This is one thing that, that Loz did point out. What about the other side? What about if you're the Canberra Raiders and you're having a, a bad start to the season? What about if you're the Storm and you're having a bad start to the season? You see where we're heading and then all of a sudden Ricky and, and Craig, one or the other or possibly both, have to try and answer that. And then you've got the club saying, well, hang on a second, we're having a tough start here. We're, we're in a bad position, yet we're going to have to release our coach off to try and do double duties. Mm. It's hardly breaking. That's always been the case. Look, they've had club coaches many times before, so I don't know how that people think that's suddenly a new thing. That is, I have spoken to club CEOs who keep saying, "Look, we'd be reluctant to give away our our coaches." But that's the point I'm making. What if you have two coaches doing it? Then it makes it a far easier, less of a less of a workload um, if you've got two of the great minds mm. instead of one. Yeah. Um, 0457 736 736. What about Smokies, Webby? And what about outside the I don't square, know, Matty, I don't outside know, mate. the box? I don't know what the New South Wales Rugby League are thinking. I really don't. I think they should – I think they've really erred on this. If And this is the part that I don't get. Why did it get – like, the, the series ended in the middle of July. And you can sit there and say, let's wait for the dust to settle. Well, you don't wait mm. on the dust to settle. You start working out who your coach is straight away, don't you? You start all your reviews straight away to try and get the new person in as soon as possible. I don't know why it came to a board meeting of the New South Wales Rugby League last week for Brad Fittler to suddenly realise that it's only uh, it's only going to be a part-time job from now on. Don't you reckon they should have told him that, like, months beforehand? 
100%. To me, that just seems like it's really poor organisation from from the New South Wales Rugby League in trying to to solve this origin riddle. And that's that's the other thing too. I think there's a complacency there. It's like, are you guys aware that you lost, you've lost two series in a row and you're getting completely outcoached by Slater, Smith and Thurston just like they outplayed us back in the day? So why wouldn't you move on, get off, get off your heels and, and start making some changes? Make some change. Make some change, as Michael Jackson sung. It was ironic uh, that Billy Slater's uh, position as coach was was <laughs> man in the mirror rubber stamped on the same day that we found out about um, Brad Fittler's position. Essentially, very very ironic. So Queensland from this position saying, "Here we are. We're locked in. We're good. We're we're consistent. We're going again." And New South Wales looking for another one. Boyd Cordner just got a, a shout out on the text line as a. A left field idea. Absolutely love the idea of Bellamy and Sticky chucking Ivan as a super coach brains trust to get New South Wales back to greatness. That's three. I mean, That's we're going to have to build a, a new coach's box. I like it. I like that too. I think they should get Ivan involved if they can. Gus. He was there for game three, wasn't he? Get Gus there. Get Gus. Uh, okay, else? that's four. That's four. We're building a dream team. Trent Barrett. There's a lot that's of five. There's a lot of talk about Trent Barrett possibly doing the role. I think with Boyd, the problem is he's only just become an assistant coach at the Roosters. So whether they'd want him, um, you know, his attention so soon into his coaching career to be doing other jobs, to doing a bit of, to have a side hustle, I'm not sure. Just but on the hard. text. It's hard. I wrote this, Matt, after they lost game two and lost the series. And I said the sobering problem for New South Wales is going to be finding someone to do the job. And that's exactly what it's turned out to be. There you go. Who do I invoice? <laughs> Tim from Newey says, do you guys think that if the NRL came out and told the public what and how they're going to referee the game, it'd save them a whole bunch of headaches during the season from the punter and the dribbler carrying on about different decisions? I mean, yeah. it would, but would it play out that way, Tim, is probably the follow-on question to that. It's all right to say one thing, but you don't know how it's going to play out on the day. In relation to some fans, Webby says, the big G, unfortunately, sport has become professional, but some fans just haven't. Nothing wrong with a bit of banter. A couple of shouts coming in now. Jeff Toovey, Spud Carroll and Cliffy Lyons. Gal said he'd be part of it as well. There's no shortage of former players and or coaches along the way um, who New South Wales could tap into. That I, I don't think that's in question. I guess maybe the question is around the structure of the coaching situation itself. Um, maybe that's the starting point. Uh, 0457 736 736, that text line. A couple more for you, Webby, before we let you go this morning. A shout-out from Stuart to Adam G, who says, Adam G was brave and ref the grand final perfectly. Klein and Sutton have fallen on their sword, listening and being too reliant on the bunker. Um, breath of fresh air. Well done, Adam G. Hmm. Well okay. done. Good on you, Adam. Mark? Origin, how can it be a part-time job? Queensland's still full-time. We're at a disadvantage from the start. Is it is it full-time, full-time? Well, see, Freddie had a more of an all-encompassing role and his was all about also, you know, uh, getting out to the regional areas with his Hogs for Homeless initiative and also, mm. yeah, it's like a, it's, it's a big, it's a big role. It's a big role. I, I'm, I'm not saying that it's right that they've made it a part-time role, but I think they've just, uh, uh, They've just basically going that way. Well, they've the, the line is that they're trying to uh, save money because the NRL has uh, cut their funding in the last couple of years. There's been quite a well-known dispute over money, um, but it hasn't affected Queensland. Mm. 
All right, money's at the crux of all issues. Good on you, mate. Um, That's us done and dusted for this Wednesday morning. We'll let you go. We'll speak to you next week. Speak to you next week, guys.